and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore of the Old World, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Barber, and I know pretty much fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host, Christopher Crowlin Allen. Hello there. Who knows absolutely fuck all about Warhammer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm. And my dear brother, Darren. Today's safety word is cockwombles. He knows so much about Warhammer, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Excellent. Well done, Ben. I thought you that was a stalwart job. It was. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm saying so myself, yes, I, I think it was. If I can get through the intro with just a kind of little smirk at whatever your hello is, that's... It's going to be a, a good, good day. It's a good day. It's a good day. Didn't even have to use my AK, as the <laughs> kids on the street say these days, I think. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> it's been my experience that kids on the streets go, why are you talking to me, bruv? You're an old fucker. <laughs> I need an adult. I need an adult. Yeah. Um, just, just not scream. this one. Not this one. A different one. <laughs> yeah. Just scream, no. And walk away. <laughs> Has Darren always been this excitable ever since you've yes. been his brother? Or yes. has he developed the excitability as he's got older? If Darren is on his own, he's not like that. Like, mm. <laughs> that would be weird. The podcast uh, just brings it out uh, of him. <laughs> no, just people do. Just the yeah. proximity of anyone. Uh, he, okay, he flips into this mode. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah. But if you, if you, if if, and, and it is a proximity thing. Like if you, he's, he, he could be in a room with our family, and he's just sat in the corner. If there's a good kind of few meters, and no one's talking to him, he he, yeah. he goes into contemplative mode. Sure. But then sure. the moment you know, one of his kids come over, it's just like bang. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if his kids come over. (laughs) It's well, the best defense is an offense, right? Darren just fucking go full send (laughs) mental at them, and then they can't. Then they can't annoy you. No one's more (laughs) offensive than me, Chris. So (laughs) I can attest to that. (laughs) Before we go, do something a little different uh, this time. Now for something completely different. One of our. Dear Patreon supporters and and friends, um, who shall remain nameless? Yeah, no shouts for you. Let's call him Radley. No, no, Radley. Let's call him R Dangle. (laughs) No, no, that's a different. That's a different person. Yeah, you wrong, wrong one. But anyway, um, so he's remaining nameless as Radders told us that I think as a result of whatever he does for his day job, that it makes more sense for us to ask for the support of our listeners oh, at the start of the sorry, show. Yeah, Radders. Than, than yeah, yeah, yeah. Than the, oh, yeah, no. He's, no, he's, I was confused with the other one whose job it is to comb pubic lice out of chihuahuas. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, not that one. Um, because one. if that one had given us this advice, I probably would have taken it with a pinch of salt. Well, certainly <laughs> I'd, run of- an, I'd run a scan on my computer. <laughs> anyway so yeah he told us to uh maybe ask for support at the start because it's it's actually pretty i mean let's be honest how many people are actually still listening after an hour and a half of this shit i don't or, know man. Are listening 
We've <laughs> been doing it for fucking nearly three years. I mean, we could have quit while we were ahead years ago. Our stats don't show whether anybody's still listening. Like, there's no, no. there's no drop off rate. Ask that question again, Ben. Uh, is anybody listening at the end of the show? Who knows? Not you, fucking two. <laughs> hey, nice burn. There he is, burn. You're welcome. It. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Oh, mate, right, so Darren. to that degree, first of all, big thank you to all our Patreon supporters. You guys rock. We love uh, you. You're all right. Yeah, you're fine. If you're not part of this merry <laughs> band, and by <laughs> some care. miracle you end up enjoying this episode, um, you can click on the Patreon link in the description and sign up today for as little as three pounds. What what will three pounds get you, lads? What could you buy for three pounds? Trauma. <laughs> Trauma. A whole lot of trauma in the form of our amazing Discord community, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. In the late 80s, a urethra fingering. <laughs> Mate, that's free oh, these days. You can just go to the clinic and <laughs> just you just have to claim that there's something wrong and they'll uh I think it's now called a gouge. A gouge. Um, what do you get for three quid? You get to join a dynamic, progressive, welcoming, amazing fun time discord group you get to chat to us whenever we manage to make the time to get out there and contribute and a real good feel good factor that you're supporting three blokes with nothing better to do than talk about warhammer (laughs) blokes you know what i mean what could be better Uh, than that i think that's probably the first time i've ever heard you use that word blokes (laughs) bloke I've never been the least blokiest bloke I've ever known. (laughs) (laughs) I am. All right. Three chaps. Three chaps. Three chaps. Right. How about that? So, yes. I mean, you can join our our Discord server, which is a a jolly little international group. I mean, let's have a think. What else could you buy for three pounds? Three pounds a month. Here we go. What else could that be? Three Twixes. You could get you three, three Twixes. Twixes or three Mars bars, three bounties. Mm, it depends where you get it from, Darren. You go you go to like a petrol station, service station. They're like one pound forty five these days for a Twix. Yeah, but so that you, is true. You, you could get how many Freddos could and you a get? Smidge. How many Freddos could you get? I think they're over a quid now. Yeah, a Freddo for a quid? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding? It'd be the I same size so. as you. I think so. No, <laughs> they can't be that. A pound for a Freddo? Fuck me. That's I what I mean. Exactly. 15p. Yeah, no, precisely. The point is, £3 a month from our fucking podcast, great value for money, Ben. Well sold. (laughs) Well sold. Yeah, nice crowd. Nailed it, mate. (sighs) And no calorie. Calorie free. How about that? Right, okay. Well, I mean, you got that amped up. You got that amped up about the Discord. You're going to get even more. You are going to blow your mind when it comes to this. When you hear this, you are going to shit in your father's mouth. Those three, uh, that £3 also helps the fight against global racism. We're what? not sure how, but it does. People, yeah. okay, good. <laughs> I mean, you get to support two and a half white guys. So, you know, that's a rare enough opportunity these days. I'm just here to tick a box, aren't I? I'm just here. But it does to tick It does further the box, cause of heightism, unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> it does. Yeah. For three quid, you would be able to get access to more of this, actually, to be so fair. All keep, of this. Keep, keep your money. but if you wanted more of this drivel for an extra two pounds on patreon you can get access to (gasps) the full back catalog of our bonus series chunks of dark kral what's chunks of dark about oh mate my leavings (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Chunks of Dar, where we deep dive into the, uh, uh, well, we uh, buttonhole Shanghai and do other stuff to Darren in order to weasel out <laughs> some more details about the Warhammer world, which we might discuss in the main episode. Didn't have time to go into more detail, so we did this spin-off, which is behind a paywall. <laughs> and just a final point uh if you are keen to support the podcast but you don't fancy a subscription there are a ton of other ways that you can do that you just click on the support us link in the description and uh it'll take you to a page on our website where you can find all of our affiliate links and other support platforms so yeah thanks again for listening and crowley you know what time is hello Reichland. it's time for sarat's every recap Right, crowd, give us some sort of WhatsApp recap so I can kind of I can feel less dirty. Okay, from the shameless plugging. Yeah, yeah, mate, you're just not like a born salesman like me. Thanks, Radders. You said I'd feel good after this. You will once those checks start rolling in. Honestly, mate. Listeners, please don't send us checks. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly because their country doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Please please do not send us donations in drachma or other... Uh, let's give you a recap episode. What episode are we on? We're on 35 or 35 now. So a recap of 34. We continue talking about the High Elves, specifically Darren. This is what we spoke about, Darren. Yes. Fall of Malekith, the Sundering, the War of the Beard, and the formation of the Dark Elves. I don't remember any In of that. In summary, Malekith and his followers retreat to Nagarith, Nagarith, Nagaritha, after he Nagarith. fails to pass through the flame of Azuran. He also decides, for some weird reason, to get flaming hot armor melded to his body. Weird. Gets defeated by one of the several Kalidors after trying to take Ulthwin again. I Which Kralador, Kral? Kral? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, that one. Kralador. Kralador. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it the third of the fourth Phoenix King twice removed, divided the two? I've divided by a pound sign. Carry the two. <laughs> yes. That guy. Yeah, that one. That one, exactly. He uh, he became quite despondent after that, so he thought, well, I'm obviously not going to take Ulthuan, so why don't I try and take over the world by trying to disrupt <laughs> the Great Vortex? Let chaos really pour in. said it like that. And then somehow, you know, just take over all the chaos demons and tame them and, and domesticate them. Yep. Did he have a plan of how he was going to do that, or did he not get that far? Nope. <laughs> One of those buzz collars. <laughs> it was like, we'll cross yeah. that bridge when we get there. Let's get chaos yeah. in first. Yeah. And then we'll then we'll do Those buzz collars, they would work on all of them apart from all of the Slaneshi demons. Who, who already no, have them. They're like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, were you expecting so many chaos demons? I wasn't expecting so many chaos demons. So. Yeah. <laughs> the way that you control the Slaanesh ones is you take the buzz collar off them. <laughs> And you're like, yeah. use your told. <laughs> we'll put it back on you. Do as you're told, or I'll talk about house insurance. <laughs> but you'd be unsurprised to learn that he failed to do that as well. Malekith the failure, we'll call him. Uh, but he did manage <laughs> to kill one of the Calidors, didn't he? Uh, a sort of ship or something like that. And so Calidor was was defeated. In turn, his son, another Calidor the second who wasn't actually the second, becomes Phoenix King. And he was he was a bit shit, wasn't he? And he was a bit of a dick. But So he, he was to... the third Kalador, but the fourth Phoenix King. Is that right, Dar? He was 
the the second. Set. He was the third Calador. The second. Fourth. One, two, three. Fourth Phoenix King, but the second Phoenix King called Calador. Called Calador. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that one exactly. Oh yeah, um, and the sundering happened, didn't it? Lots of chunks. Of yeah, yeah. Oh, just the sundering into the water, floated about, giving birth to the black ox. I can't come into work today. I've got the sundering. <laughs> yeah, sundered. <laughs> I'm destroying the, the continent. I can't come in today. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <afraid. laughs> I'm, I'm dismantling <laughs> something magically. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be in at lunch. <laughs> I'm sundering my wardrobe. Someone, someone put that in a t- someone put that in their Tinder bio. <laughs> yeah. I'm destroying uh, something magically. Was that Maria Kondo? I'm Maria Kondoing, Maria sundering my uh, wardrobe. I'm just <laughs> dismantling the clothes. Am I, I missing something do, here? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Is it Maria Kondo? Was that um, woman who did the whole kind of minimalization of your house thing? Do you not remember that? Oh, was that, was that the Japanese um, yeah, 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 show yeah, on Netflix? Kind of, yeah, something like that. I saw one that. of those. I was like, "Hmm, interesting." And then I don't remember what the one. process was, but it was very simple. It was take a bunch of stuff you love and put it in the bin because apparently that will make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> My flatmate tries this with me quite a lot. I'm like, "Where's that thing that I own? That yeah, I, love, that I haven't seen in a while." Like, oh, I threw that out. Like, oh, <laughs> Meg, why am I in the bin again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. this isn't making me happy yeah. <laughs> yeah the the sundering defined the it pretty much defined the uh the creation the formation of the dark elves at that point isn't it uh malekith and his cronies they actually f right off to nagaroth evil canada and uh the dark elves are born some other bits happened oh yeah it not insignificantly so after the failure of the sundering the was it Calador the second at that point? He shored up the defenses, built various animal themed gates, and rebuilt Orthwan. That wasn't Calador at that time, though, was it? It was a different Phoenix King. I'm sure it was. That was Calador the. It was Calador the second first. who did the gates. Oh, was it? I don't know. I don't, Darren. I'm, I'm looking at you, mate. I'm looking at you for the answers. <laughs> I, I I I believe I'm having an out of body experience. Okay, all right, wow. we'll come back to you. <laughs> anyway, it was Calador the first. Calador the first built the gates. Calador the first built the gates. After the sundering, after he was after he died. I don't get that. Well, you, clearly he hadn't died yet. Yeah, okay, fine. All right, we'll just skim over that detail. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, Malekith then... <laughs> Did some stuff. Oh yeah, the the dwarven and elven trade routes reopened. Things were going pretty good. Orthon was getting rebuilt. Malika saw an opportunity. Sabotaged the dwarven trade caravans by dressing up disguised as high elves. So dwarven emissary came over to the high elves to get. Hey, what's the matter? I thought we were friends. What's Why the are the high elves you? attacking hey. a caravan? Hey, hey, babbidi boobidi. And then Calador the jerk was like. Fuck you. This is what happens when you come and ask questions. Shakespeare, yeah. beard. And hence and then he the War of Vengeance. Him. Or the War of the Beard. <laughs> ben, would do you call it the War of the Beard or the War of Vengeance? Which one? Tomato, tomato. Do you know what? I actually would call it the War of the... Oh, no, I would call it the War of the Beard. So that's the elf term for it, isn't it? Because you're an elf, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah. I, it's not... The, yes, I am, but I would call it the War of the Beard because that's just fucking hilarious why why sure. are you an elf now 
Ben's always been an elf fan. Are you not seeing his fucking tarty elf character on Vermintide? Twitch. And then something about the formation of the Wood Elves. Done. Finn. Amen. <laughs> nice. Uh, that last bit was called the Exodus. The Exodus of the Wood Elves. Exodus. Where they summoned um, all the elves back to Ulfuin. And most of them went. But lo a load of them didn't, and then they became wood elves? Is that right? <laughs> a load of them didn't, and then bam, wood elves, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> and that's how you get wood elves. <laughs> so they, Do you want wood elves? Because that's how you get wood elves. <laughs> Were they just loving the forest? Did they just end up in... Almost literally, were, yeah. And they were like, Ooh. I am never leaving these trees. This <laughs> tree loves me. In a I way. Love <laughs> that no man can. <laughs> <laughs> I should call him Splinter. What? <laughs> I should call him Eduardo. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the exodus happened under... Caradriel, uh, who was the fifth Phoenix King. Chris is already yawning, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> he's, 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 he's done it. He's spaffed his load. He's like, on what's that recap? Pretty much. Shut down now for a few minutes, Kral, and recharge. That's it. He has what the French call the little death. <laughs> <laughs> Just death. <laughs> I'd, I'd stay in this recording, but I'm kind of sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we finished on the uh, fifth Phoenix King, if you'll pardon the phrase, and we're now moving on to what I like to call the sixth Phoenix King. That's a, very logical. So following the passing of uh, Caradriel, we move on to Tethless the Slayer. Tethless. Uh, he wasn't. Was that an elf? Tethless. T e t h l i s. Tethless. 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 Okay. Tethless the Slayer, referred to as the Slayer because he, well, he slayed really. There's no, you can't really mm. embellish that too much. Um, it was. A, but, was it an elf? Yes. Okay. It, very rare. It very rare in the history of the High Elves for them to elect a non-elf as Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Dwarf Rare, but not, <laughs> not unknown. Tethless yeah. the Slayer, the greatest halfling phoenix king in High Elf history. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> the greatest snotling king of the... Uh... Tethless the halfling in introduced the mobile stepladder to High Elven culture. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Compulsory stilts for everybody. <laughs> Compulsory stilts. <laughs> Great name for a band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Compulsory stilts. So he took over from uh, Caradriel and this guy. Now, to say this guy hated the Dark Elves is to really undersell the term hated. The Dark Elves, or Druhi, as they're known, uh, wiped out his family when he was but a child. And so he launched what is called the Scouring, which was uh, an all-or-nothing plan to literally scrub the Dark Elves from Ulthuin's lands and any lands that it controlled. Uh, and Including Nagroth? No, out of Ulthuin, because uh, Ulthuin oh. doesn't control Nagroth. But you said out of any lands they control. 
and don't yeah. out of any lands that the high elves control, not any lands that the dark elves control. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're saying got it, but you're rubbing your face in a way that makes me think you don't. Uh, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Clear as Why a are mud. you shaking your head? <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Krell's <laughs> just Krell's still in the process of recharging everybody, so if it doesn't make much sense for a few minutes. No, I'm recharging so myself. I'm, I'm not recharging everybody. Jesus. <laughs> I don't have the USB ports. Um one of the very first things he did was uh rebuild the armies uh, of the high elves almost to a size they were when an Aryan was became the first phoenix king it was a staggering force of uh, kind of military recruitment and training and definitely sowed the seeds for what became the citizen levy in fact it pretty much was an all but name where every elf uh, would be mustered either as a spearman or a bowman or spear elf or a bow elf, I suppose is the correct term. Was it conscription in the typical sense? Like, the, was it compulsory? Uh, it was compulsory that everyone had to uh, train and be ready for war. Uh, but it's very much like the, I believe it's the Swiss have this model where every, I think it's every male between the ages of 18 has to know how to use a pen knife. Has to. <laughs> Has to be able to to has to be able to Toblerone a person to death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. No, they all have to be part of a defense force that they have. They all have like uh, firearms and safes and all this kind of stuff. This is uh, Switzerland. Anyway. This is neutral Switzerland. Yes. Neutral Switzerland. That seems ironic, doesn't it? Well, neutral Ireland has a, a an army and an air force and uh, a navy. In quotes. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's yeah, two yeah, lad, two yeah, lads yeah, in a rowboat yeah, and another yeah. chasing them with a hand grenade. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it national service? People have to like the, like uh, young men between eighteen and thirty. It's or that kind of idea. Have to spend yeah, twelve yeah, months yeah. in boot camp, and they are essentially reserves for the rest of their lives. Yes. So there, if yeah, you yeah. can imagine, the entire population of Ulthuin became He's a reservist ready. force uh, to fight the Druki. Um, Good idea, I think. Good, good way. Of, yeah, um, teaching discipline. Would you Crow bring it back for the UK? Yeah, I'd, you... yeah. I think you and I think you and I would have benefited from a twelve-month kind of military. It's, it's a shame we're over thirty-five now, though, isn't it? And we can't <laughs> yeah, <be drawn> up. <laughs> suckers. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely up for bringing it in now. Like hundred percent. Hundred percent. So. Uh, on Ulthwin, this led to effectively two centuries of uh, internecine warfare, where uh, brother turned against brother, sister against brother, perhaps brother against sister, we'll never know. Uh, and there was just yeah. death. Uh, no, just no. <laughs> no. We've all seen... No, sorry, go on. Oh, step elf, I'm stuck. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> I think that was the premise, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred oh, yeah. percent. Yes, as I say, this led to centuries of warfare, where the kind of fate of Ulthuin hung in the balance at the end of every battle. So you you get kind of war fatigue, wow. conflict fatigue, and 
just the sheer ferocity of the, the battles was staggering. I mean, at the siege of the Griffin Gate, it's one of these one of the five gates that uh, joins uh, Nagari V to Illyrian, the uh, ambush of the Dark Elf forces by the general was so ferocious that Malekith himself had to fly out on his dragon. Uh, I like to think he surfed. He did a surfing pose. Um, <laughs> he bodyboarded. He bodyboarded. It sounds like he was forced to come out. So I think he was like, he came out like, yeah, on a surfing pose, but kind of with like a really disappointed look on his face. Like, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. This uh. guy again. I mean, if an elf, if an elf has a load of leaves on his head, he's not a tree. So it was an ambush. It was clearly an ambush. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, quite famously, at the siege of Tor Len, there was the the fighting was so intense and so protracted that not a single elf on either side survived. Jesus Christ! Which means the, that the, someone, the last someone, two yeah, just threw their yeah. spears on three. Ready at yeah. each other. One, two. <laughs> Three. And one of them got rocks. Like, oh, I thought it was like three then throw. No, on three. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, that's not fair. He's like, okay, I'll kill myself. <laughs> and he, uh, he Tethless, after those few centuries, managed to get all of the Dark Elves out of the uh, Inner Kingdom, but also out from around most of the Outer Kingdoms and pushed back into uh, Nagarith. Nagarithi? Nagarithi. Uh, and laid siege to the capital at that time, Anlek. We will recall this was built around the beached remains of two black fortresses. Oh, You're is this looking in... at it uncomprehendingly. Yeah, What's... I'm trying to remember that. Where, remember where was that? The floating cities, the darker yeah. floating cities that beached the themselves. Arcs. Yeah, the Black Arcs in Nagarath. Nagarithi, yes. yeah. Yes, I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does tower mean like town or something? Because that's quite a common feature in the place names, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, tower or fortress, yeah. Uh, okay, right, right. right. Tower. And ultimately, they were successful and Anlik fell. Uh, after oh. which, Teth... Oh. 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 <laughs> oh. There we go, that was it. End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> In the immediate aftermath of the siege, uh, Tethlis gave the order that every single dark elf, man, woman, child, some sort of pet gerbil, all of them were put to death. And, wow. you know, this act was carried out, but all the princes were really, really concerned that this kind of hatred that Tethlis had kind of uh, not only internalized for him, but it was spreading through the ranks of the elves. Uh, would warp and change the psyche of the High Elves so that there would ultimately be no difference between High Elves and Dark Elves. It's the, the danger of revenge, I suppose, the Count of Monte Cristo kind of fable. Right. Ultimately, uh, in, his, in his final year of, um, of rule, uh, 303, 304 years of his rule, he led a force to the Blighted Isle to reclaim the Altar of Cain, where the uh, the Widowmaker, uh, the Sword of Cain, was uh, uh, embedded the into the altar. Slash. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Slash. The something of Cain. Yeah. The whatever you want it to be of Cain. 
Yeah. The gerbil strap on of Kane. What? <laughs> <laughs> now, dear listeners, do I mean a strap on for a gerbil or a strap on in the shape of a gerbil? <laughs> Both. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll, we'll, we'll never, never know. Discuss. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. Dis- disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't comment in the description. <laughs> Please do an answer as if Ben had asked the question. So you go, yeah. Dear Ben, I believe. <laughs> Here is what I think and show us in the form of an illustration. Yeah. But it has to be done in MS Paint with your off hand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're I guarantee down, someone's going to send us something like that. We've gone tangential. Well, they will be able to if they join Patreon for £3 a month and uh, get into three pounds, our Darren. Discord chat. What? Nailed it. £3. Is that all? Three, three, three pounds, pounds. pounds. You can't even get what three could Twixes you? for £3 these days. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You can't even get three fucking Freddos. What happened? What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you probably can in hindsight. I think there's probably like corner shops. With and you could probably get fifty people. I mean, yeah, you probably could, but then you have to descend into the realm of shoplifting, and we're not advocating that whatsoever. Get me a bounty. Uh, so, no, it's definitely still thirty pence, lads. I think no, nearly fifty pence. Yeah, it, but it was at one point like ten p, wasn't it? Mm, mm, what? Mm. Do you remember how we had an episode of another podcast called the Bastard Episode? This is going to be referred yeah. to as the Fredo episode. The Fredo episode. <laughs> the Fredisode. No, wait. The Fredisode. Anyway, this fucking Tethless. He's on the blighted aisle. He's getting on with it. <laughs> he's led an armada in. They've recaptured the blighted aisle from, from the Dark Elves. So it's now within high elf hands again. Throughout this kind of short lived campaign, Tethless. Uh, comes across, not literally, the armor of Anarian himself. He finds the armor of Anarian. He wipes it down and uh, donates <laughs> it then to the children of Anarian, if you recall. Oh, yeah. The descend- effectively, the descendants of the son of uh, Anarian, who, if I remember, was Morelian, was the, the boy child. What a very formal way of saying that. He is the boy child. <laughs> 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 Tethless never made it back from the Blighted Isle. Uh, and there are two real stories of what happened to him, uh, both of which took place before the Altar of Cain. The first was that a Dark Elf assassin leapt from hiding uh, and embedded a blade in his, uh, I want to say, body, uh, and he died. So, bam! Wow. He said the embedded, second... like he placed it into his... He stabbed him. Right? Yeah, he stabbed him. That's so what I'm clarified. Means. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Embedded. I don't know. He, he play... just like, laid it on him. <laughs> Yeah. Hilt first. He just embedded <laughs> it in him. Popped up his bum. <laughs> <laughs> he, placed, he placed a dagger near his heart. Uh... Yeah. Internally. <laughs> Let that be a warning to you. <laughs> <laughs> The second more compelling story is that as he stood before the sword of Cain, it called to him, uh, and apparently he reached out one hand, uh, effectively giving in to all his hatred. He went full Sith. 
yeah. reached okay. out his hand and his bodyguards cut him down uh, for fear Tathless's that... his own bodyguards. Exactly right. That the, For Ooh. fear that if he had the blade... Treason. Treason. He would be corrupted again as Anarian was, but his hatred seemed to have been more than Anarian's. Anarian's was doing it for a noble cause to kind of secure right. his entire race, where Tethlis was just out for vengeance. And thus passes the 412th Phoenix King. Only joking, <laughs> it's the sixth, I think. 100th and 12th. Okay. Tethlis the Slayer, yeah. So they, they they killed him. They didn't just refrain him, restrain him from taking it. I thought they that's what you meant. They actually, he was killed by his own kind. <laughs> He was either then, killed by a, a very uh, amenable dark elf assassin, or he was cut down by his bodyguards. I like to ah. think he was cut down by his bodyguards, and then and right. then they just disposed of his body and didn't tell anybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing that they would have they would have had to deal with reprisal if they were like, "Yeah, we killed the king." Because the dark elves must be fucking... loving this right now. The dark elves oh, must yeah. be seeing all the chaos that's going on. Like, like this is delicious. Yeah, delicious. Yeah, yeah, delicious. Yeah, yeah. The Phoenix King is dead. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how many Phoenix Kings did Malekith, as a Dark Elf, did he see come and go? Because he seems to be outliving a lot of these Phoenix Kings. Uh, all of them. There you go. Including, including his own dad, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so yeah, every yeah. he's he's existed the entire time that the Phoenix Kings have existed. How do you interpret that? I mean, like, is does that make Malekith a good warrior, a good leader? And the Phoenix, you know, the Phoenix Kings just seem to be. I suppose, yeah, the higher the higher you are, the harder you fall. You know what I mean? As the king, you gotta. Yeah, you say Malekith's I, I, better than the Phoenix King. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose it's the he is the most effective tyrant that has ever been recorded in uh, in uh, fiction mm, because sure. it really comes down to willpower. He has the willpower to be constantly in charge and aware of what's going on, um, but not succeed. Got it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 A long-lived failure, but by the very fact that he's long-lived. I mean, he's he's. There's some success there, isn't there? Is he long lived? Every cloud, right, Ben? Exactly. <laughs> Every cloud. Chris. Um, is he is he long lived for an elf? Like by elf, is there something else going on that's keeping him? You know. Um, yes, vitality? I suppose you could say he's long lived for an elf, but most of the very old elves are magic users, and he's right, okay. he's quite an accomplished. Uh, I was going to say magician. Uh, so he he, he rules with an iron fist and an occasional I, fluffy bunny from a helmet. Yeah, <laughs> mainly at kids' parties. Yeah. Pick this card. If you get it wrong, I'll kill your kids. What? <laughs> and drain their soul and live longer. We then move on to, speaking of magic users, Segway, we... Um, we nice, nailed it. Deal with the seventh Phoenix King, who is Bel Corhandis, the Scholar King who ruled for a staggering 1,200 years. Mr. Chris. How many Phoenix Kings are we, uh, are we going to be covering? All of them. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right. Nailed it. Great <laughs> I'm going to get comfortable. Sit down, Crowl. <laughs> I'll tell you when we get to the 27th. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> 
Belgrahan, the election of or the ascension of Belgrahan is really is the uh, is the starting point for the second golden age of the High Elves. He comes to uh, power really with Ulthuin completely under High Elf control. Uh, so from the the kind of heels of total warfare, he now has inherited a peaceful in quotes realm where he can rule on, on not particularly on a war footing. He doesn't ignore defense. High elves never ignore defense, with uh, one or two exceptions of um, poets and such. But he um, he maintains the defenses, makes sure that the uh, the gates, the the five gates, are well manned. There's constant patrols, and the kind of two big achievements he has are the great hunt and the uh, establishment of the uh, the white tower of Hoeth, which is where all the best lore masters, the high elf mages, are trained. So we'll just deal with the great hunt first. Through his own uh, passion of knowledge, he's come to understand that all the monsters that keep coming into the uh, high elf inner kingdoms, and indeed the outer kingdoms, uh, effectively come from that kind of ring of roiling chaos energy in the Anui Mountains. Anuli Mountains, sorry. And uh, he institutes a kind of courtly purge of monsters where uh, princes and nobles who are able to, uh, you know, either drive off or kill outright great beasts are kind of socially rewarded. So they get some kind of, uh, you know, Tesco club card points for killing a manticore sure. or a renegade griffin or a dragon or a hydra or what have you. And so he doesn't seek a lasting kind of solution uh, to the problem of all these monsters. He just wants to keep them penned up as much as possible uh, and a kind of an interdiction force within each kingdom that goes out and deals with these beasts. So effectively he institutes monster hunters as cool. a as a as a effectively as a career option where nice. you can specialize in killing uh, uh, beasts. This is an ongoing thing. This lasts from his rule through to uh, present day where there really the attempt is to wipe out as much as possible the taint of chaos from the uh, elven kingdoms, even though that is ultimately impossible. It means that uh, small townships and villages are no longer you know, preyed upon by the various beasts. Some of them are able to be captured and tamed, and thus you see a lot of uh, high elves uh, riding griffins, dragons, this kind of thing, uh, which is handy because from the... Kind of for all of, of the obvious reasons that having, for all of the obvious reasons that having a pet <laughs> dragon could have, <laughs> yeah, save on the gas bill, yeah, you know, flying, like really cuts the commute down, doesn't it? Uh, Send it to do your shopping for you, all this kind, yeah. Of <laughs> and let's not get into Griffin buggering again, you know. Wow, that happened fast. Wow. <laughs> well, it happened before. So, uh. <laughs> and so the land became safe for the, the kind of common, in quotes, elf. Uh, his other great achievement 
was the establishment of the White Tower of Hoeth, which is the Hogwarts of Ulthuin. That's really how you should uh, view it, but more of a university rather than a high school. And this place is as uh, amazing as it is confusing. It is the actual central tower itself is one mile high. Now Yikes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing the millions, billions things. All right, okay, it's one, one mile. mile. I've checked, right. <laughs> I've triple checked. How wide is it? What's its uh, diameter? It's, a, uh, it's about eighteen feet. That's quite small. <laughs> That's that was... a very, very thin, very, very tall. That's a spike. That's not a. That's not a tower. No. <laughs> That's a mast. <laughs> it's it's just got it, and all it is. There's no floors. It's just a really, really cramped spiral staircase to the very top. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yuck. And the only person that can reach the very top is Tethless the halfling. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> set in the kind of plains of Aetain, the it's a mile, as I said, the central tower is a mile uh, tall. It's several hundred feet wide uh, in terms of diameter because it has uh, it's stacked full of uh, chocolatey goodness in the form of books and other such things that you would need to learn stuff from. Maybe some YouTube videos. Freddos. Who knows? It's Freddos. It was constructed it's magical Freddos by uh, <laughs> <laughs> the seventeenth uh, Phoenix King, Lord Cadbury. <laughs> Lord Cadbury is no; he's not a Phoenix King. He's the leader of the cult of pleasure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, in terms of its structure, the tower, central tower is uh, one mile tall. It's several hundred feet wide at the base, but is only something like 10 feet wide at the very top. Um, it's at the center of a sort of spoked wheel of buildings. And each spoke, there's eight of them in total. So it, it, it's harnessing the winds of magic into that kind of central tower and up to the very pinnacle where... Uh, Elven lore masters can kind of sit very much like the Jedi Council in the in the prequels. They kind of sit there and meditate. They just hardline the winds of magic into their veins. Yeah, that's what it's like. so concentrated, they get processed into these fucking compressing air things. They like just sit there like fucking Nos masks. <laughs> yeah, just fucking crack pipes. Oh my just god, high magic crack pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Tell me about the winds of Dar. Is anyone hungry? I'm hungry. Yeah. Conjure up some some muffins. Can we get some Freddos up here? What? Yeah. Yeah. Freddos, man. You know, do you remember when they used to be 10 pence each and now they're like 36p each? Oh my god. (laughs) Fetch me the magical soda stream. In terms of other buildings, there's there's all the things you would associate with a kind of academic uh, complex. Of note, then, are, are the great libraries where every horizontal surface is used as a bookshelf. Like, you can't, you can't stop for a chat with someone because you'll end up with books on your shoulders. You just, you, <laughs> wow. you have to keep You have going. to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Smooth moves, Kral. You've obviously been in a library before. <laughs> uh, everybody, <laughs> initiate the <Jimmy>. library dance. <laughs> Shoulder Jimmy. <laughs> oh my God! See that epileptic yeah. fellow over there? He's one of our best students. <laughs> yeah, you you ask the the librarian for a book, and she cartwheels across the library to get it for you. <laughs> she kind of vo- anytime you ask for directions, she kind of vogues in that kind of general <laughs> yeah. direction. I haven't been to a Where's library toilet? so long. That way, I hope libraries are like that. I would, I would that's, be in there. That's definitely what they're like now. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely what public libraries are like in this day and age. Good lord, um, <laughs> it has lots of kind of restricted sections that you may only be able to oh. gain access to once or twice in your life because. The tower, effectively, the way to think about it, effectively, is a sentient magical being. Cool. It, it doesn't have a consciousness. I'm not saying that it's possessed or anything, but very it has much rights, like. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's a building. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it, oh, the only rights it has is angles. That's it. Okay. It has right angles. Nice. That's it. <laughs> Maybe the old <laughs> obtuse, but that's about it. <laughs> well, it is magical. You can never tell. Um, <laughs> it also has, oh, sorry, yes, the restricted sections in a kind of moment of dire academic need when you you desperately have to have an answer to a you know an earth-shattering question, a room may appear to you where you can go in uh, and uh, get uh, a book that would provide you with either the answer outright or clues as to how to get uh, the answer in general. These uh, rooms that appear can appear behind any door, any door at all. Yikes. So it can get very, very confusing, especially if you've just had like a massive whatever the high elf version of a curry is and you're in the bathroom <laughs> yeah. and then you open the door to leave and suddenly you're in the library. Uh, so yeah, it, it can get a <laughs> wow. bit uh, can get a bit confusing. Surely it would be worse going the other way around. Like you just like yeah. shit. I need the toilet. And you open the door to the toilet. And it's just a fucking library. You're like well, <laughs> it's about, you have to well, find a quiet spot. Yeah, well, there'd be lots of paper there, Ben. It'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the answer you need is in this book, but I don't want to open that book. I can smell that book from a mile away. I do not want to open that book. Did someone else have an answer in that book? (laughs) Oh, hey, it's Chad Dragonsurf at (laughs) chasethedragon.com. You might know my brother, Rapid Randy. Yeah, he sells stuff and bits and pieces. That That is bits and pieces. And stuff shop, I guess. <laughs> anyway, we're over here in Trace. Most people just call it Barry, because <laughs> it's kind of hard to say and spell. We're on a Cowabunga Beach, and we got everything that you need to surf on dragons. <laughs> That's right. Namely dragons, but, but also balls. <laughs> you need some serious balls to surf on dragons. <laughs> we don't sell those, though. That would be weird. But we do have dragons. We got big ones, small ones, furry ones, spiky ones, <laughs> uh, purple ones, blue ones, white ones, and they all come with our ChaseTheDragon.com 100% guarantee that they will eat you if you don't surf them properly, and that's a promise. 
<laughs> so do your lessons. And it's not just the grown-ups we serve here, so bring the whole family and we'll get the little ones saddled up with one of our baby dragons. <laughs> or one of our training budgies for the toddlers. So remember, chasethedragon.com or it'll chase you. <laughs> Peace, bitches. The other kind of uh, major area within there is what's referred to as an orrery. Orrery? Orrery. Too many orrery. Too many orrery. Which is... Rary. Yes, rary. It looks like one of these kind of clockwork contraptions where all the planets are moving around a central point and it's very much kind of like... That dark, like a, that bit from the Dark Crystal and other movies that have planetaries uh, in them, and that's used for kind of uh, whatever the correct magical version of astrology is, astromancy maybe, um, nice. and like to it. study the uh, the lower the heavens and the alignments of the planets and all this kind of stuff, so they can guess or so they can uh, work out when the best time to cast a certain spell is or to go on an awkward first date, or, or, or. <laughs> um, when to sit an exam. <laughs> when to sit an exam. <laughs> the best time for you to have sat an exam was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. When the exams were scheduled, but I opened up the door to the exam hall and I was just in a library that really stank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in terms of it's defense because you've got you know you've got you've got the kind of the most powerful magicians in uh, Ulthuin are at this uh, academy for want of a better word how is it defended really with it, books. it comes in, in with <laughs> paper cuts <laughs> yeah. oh painful it's really got kind of three levels of uh, defense uh, for both the building and the lower masters, the the, the high elf mages uh, within it. The first is illusions. It's one of these things where you can see the tower from tens of miles away, but as you get closer to it, as you're walking towards it, it's still as far away as it looked. And wow. it's one of these things where it's Labyrinth like, style. Yeah, labyrinth style. Or y- you have to go around a, a, a village and suddenly it's on the opposite side of the village. It's a very tricksy tower to get to, but it's it's all the kind of geomantic properties of where it is, plus illusions, you know, kind of hard-baked into the land of Aetain around uh, the Tower of Hoeth. Is Aetain the one that has the kind of time dilation? No, that's Illyrian. Yeah. Okay. Because it sounds. Quite and in fact, that's on that. the opposite side of the inner sea. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, is it? Is it? Because it sounds quite similar to that. You said that there was the, you would try to cross bits of that, and it, you sometimes it would take you ten minutes, sometimes it would take you ten years. Yes, but but Same sort uh, of thing. similar kind of effect, but time passes normally. Right, so okay. the tower kind of hops, it bamps around like what's that? Uh, what's that blue X Men? You know, one Night of the seven hundred blue X Men. Yes, Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Smurfs. The Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel does the Smurfs. <laughs> uh, uh, so um, <laughs> that bit with the Hulk was disgusting. The, uh, <laughs> I've seen that anime. <laughs> 
I believe it's called hentai, Ben. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was trying to keep it family friendly. To keep it family friendly. It's just weird that you put neckties on hens. It's fucking weird. Um, <laughs> so, yes, suddenly like forests would spring up around you. You'd kind of lose consciousness for a moment and suddenly you're on the other side of mountains. It's all this kind of uh, magical illusion and protection. As you get closer to the tower, you know, if you're able to make your way through these illusions, travelers have described feeling a presence probing their mind. It felt like a, 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 but it's described as a friendly presence, like an old friend coming to stick fingers in your skull. I don't know. It's, it's a weird fucking thing to yeah. think about. Yes, I f- uh, no, but it was a friendly probing. Yeah. <laughs> And what it's trying to do is to establish your worthiness. What's your intent in seeking the White Tower? Uh, For those who have ill intent, or for those who the presence decides they are not worthy, they disappear. They effectively, they're never heard from again. Wow. Even if they're not meant to be there, they're just wrong place at the wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. They're just, yeah. They, they'll, they'll try and go through a, a like a narrow pass or a, a, a forest or what have you. They're never seen or heard from again. They're just completely uh, discorporated. Now, whether they are thrown into into some pocket realm of chaos controlled by the High Elves or they're thrown into the Anuli Mountains or there's some sort of, you know, Butlin-style prison, uh, which is effectively prison. <laughs> uh, like a, you know. A high elf summer camp of shame? Is that a thing? That could be a thing. We don't know. Uh, an unfortunate thing to end up on if you just, you know, taking a wrong turn on Google Maps, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, an eternity and shame camp. I was just trying You're to get just going to get a loaf of bread for your hungry elven family. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, you're a single elven mother. Just going to have to get a bit of groceries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so for those who the mental presence decides are worthy suddenly on some kind of uh side of a cliff you know at ground level not up that'd be really weird or a large tree or even just among some ruins a portal will appear a a kind of golden circular portal and the elves that go through that find themselves within the courtyard of the white tower itself so they are kind of granted access into this complex when they kind of look at the portal that they've just come through sometimes they can actually see it move up the side of the building to be several hundred feet in the air uh, on this on the on the spire itself on the tower itself and so it really is the tower uh, selecting them as worthy so sorry they've gone through the portal and then they've looked back through the portal they've just come through no, they look back at, at the portal. The portal itself then moves from where they've just like come. Like a lift, like an elevator. Yeah. Oh, I see. It yeah, goes yeah. back to like its resting position at the top exactly of the... Exactly right. Uh, yeah. I thought you meant like they came through and then when they looked back, they were suddenly looking through the portal that was at the top of the tower. It's like, <laughs> don't go through that portal again because yeah. you're going to drop a very fucking long way. It'll be like, and then step out into an open lift shaft. <laughs> Whatever the high elf version of GLaDOS comes down. Uh, and tells them. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. 
Uh, and it's been described uh, in terms of the beings or elves that they meet, that they seem very kind of spectral and kind of monotone as if the, the kind of the physical elves that service the tower, you know, are servants and stable people and what have you, are actually created in that moment for that purpose and then they disappear again. They kind of, you know, turn back into nothingness. Wow. And so you're Spooky. never really sh- Yeah, you're never really sure how many elves are actually at the White Tower. Now, now that it's been completed, it, through its construction, the there was the great plan to have the tower uh, built. And as it was uh, kind of passing the halfway mark, there were entire small villages of extremely powerful sorcerers and their servants set up around the kind of construction site. Uh, and that's really where this, the, the learning process started before the tower was complete. So it had a, a developed culture, a developed academic culture, ready to kind of plug into the tower once it was finished. Which makes me think that there must have been there must have been a threshold where no one was allowed in, and then suddenly everyone was allowed in, and all their stuff was there already, and they were really confused. <laughs> yeah, the the whole the whole concept of this tower sounds very confusing. Yes, there yeah, is. It is. There. You do have it's to... over there, but now it's behind you. You might come in, or you might be bamfed out of existence, never to see your family again. Oh, the towers picked you to go in there, and now the portal's moving weirdly. And now you've got these ethereal <laughs> type elves coming to help you, and they're just going to disappear for the rest of eternity. And weird. Ooh. Yeah. Like if I read that on TripAdvisor, I'd be like, I'm going to Mallorca. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it good or is it not good? That's all I need to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, there's moving portals, there's ethereal beings. One out of five would not recommend. I'm I'm not going there. That sounds awful. (laughs) Yeah. Nice tower. Could never get beyond the horizon. Five out of uh, ten. Yeah. (laughs) Nice to visit. Would never go back. (laughs) (laughs) The final kind of defensive structure uh, within it, it's not really a structure. It's a group of warriors called the Swordmasters of Hoth. Oh, yeah. These are... Uh, to sword fighting what the lore masters are to magic. They are the pinnacle uh, of high elf masters of uh, sword and blade. Are these the the two-handed broadswordy? Exactly right. So I was going to say these are the premier duelists of uh, the Warhammer world, but instead of like a little cheeky rapier, they use a claymore. Uh, an elven claymore, uh, wow. the the sword, not the explosive. That'd be really weird. <laughs> uh, they just like be used brick, brick from Anchorman, just yeah, running yeah. around with a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> and what they do is they train. So the the sword masters of Hoth train uh, aggressively, rigorously, uh, emotionally, spiritually, biblically. Financially. Anally, what? Uh, and uh, our <laughs> their core mission is to defend the White Tower, but also the Lore Masters and Ulthuin in general. Uh, anytime a... Uh, an I, love, I love how that just kind of spread out there. Sorry to interrupt. Their core sole purpose in life is to defend the White Tower 
and the people in it and Orphan as a whole and everybody else in the world. Very specific. <laughs> and the cats and the chickens. Yeah. <laughs> but their sole purpose is just to defend. Like yeah, that's yeah, everything. Everything. <laughs> so any any time a lore master or a high elf mage is out and about fighting or, or on a mission or stuff, uh, there's usually a small cadre of sword masters that come with them. Uh, what you okay? So you've got these like next level mages and sorcerers, yeah. and then you like what you are, are they not able to deal with themselves? Like the kind of threats that are going to be coming to them. Like they they wield magic on a ridiculous level. Can they not just be like, "Bamf"? Now you're all frogs. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I don't know why my the use of magic in Warhammer has been reduced yeah, to like, like you know it's like when a you fairy see, tale. Um, is it, who's who's the Icelandic big fucker? He played the mountain Thor Magnuson or something Bjork. like that. Bjork. Bjork. Yeah, yeah, Bjork. yeah. <laughs> they have bodyguards. It's like, yeah. Why did they yeah. need bodyguards? Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So it's or the, Conor, in, Conor in, McGregor. Like, yeah, <laughs> he can handle himself. and from what i hear he does uh so the please don't hit me connor (laughs) a lot of the spells that the lore masters kind of specialize in are these really really involved rituals that take hours if not days and they can't be disturbed while they're doing it so they need a bodyguard so that they are left undisturbed in terms of battle magic Lore masters use 5% of their capacity for the most astounding kind of uh, battle magic spells. Uh, everything else goes towards these almost kind of slan level considerations of geomancy and forecasting and defense and what have you. So they do they do require a fairly Some... aggressive bodyguard around them at all times, right, and that okay. is the sword masters. And are these um, claymores? Are they made from the same? Is the Ithalmar, yes, Ithelmar. yeah. So it's like ridiculously light. But it, it's quite interesting in the um, sorry on the tabletop. So you have something like the white the white lions of Grace, which is the guys with the lion pelts and the two handed axes. In the game, their two handed axes uh, have the always strike last rule because most great weapons, most two-handed weapons, always strike last in combat. The high elf swords, or sorry, the sword masters of Hoeth, either have, depending on the edition you're in, always strike first, or they strike in initiative order. And because they're elves, they have quite a high initiative. So being able to dole out a ton of damage before your enemy is able even to hit you is quite kind of beneficial on the tabletop ultimately the white tower is effectively a factory that churns out the most powerful non-frog-like mages in the entire world uh, of warhammer it's incredibly well defended uh, even if you're able to find it and the odds are you probably won't and indeed, a lot of the Phoenix Kings that came after Belcarandus were in fact lore masters from the White Tower, from Safri uh, in 18. Cool. Yeah. Blimey. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schnarf. 
Right, at this stage in the podcast, I need to issue a million slash billion style apology. Oh God, here we go. It was actually enough a apologies mile. in the world for whatever you're about to apologize for. No, <laughs> it just, I, I'm absolutely, I'm cringing so hard. My outie's now an innie. It go just, on. it's the worst. We've actually I, been talking about the dwarves. I, yeah, we'd, the past 14 episodes have still been dwarves. Uh, no, I've been saying that the uh, when I signed off there at the end of the uh, the bit about I said the White Tower is the of all the mages of Safri, which is of course the kingdom where the White Tower is. The White Tower is not in Aetain at all. It's in Safri. Oh shit! I fucked it. Okay. That's it. Okay. We've lost all credibility. So uh, when yep. like about an hour ago, when you were spending a few minutes confirming where it was. Yep, that was got all it wrong. In vain as well. <laughs> yeah, it was all in vain. Jesus, uh, I don't know what to can't. believe anymore, Darren. <laughs> yeah. So, and the uh, White Tower actually yellow. I don't believe you. <laughs> and it's actually a bungalow. It's not even a, it's not even a tower. It's just one floor. It's, it, it's, it's not a tower at all. It's just a wall built the wrong way up. <laughs> yeah, it's a one mile high bungalow. <laughs> mile high bungalow club as soon as i said all the mages of safri there's a bit in me that just went fuck fuck <laughs> so i'm gonna have to remember God this when i'm when i'm listening back to set the uh, chunks of dar uh tier two patreon only uh questions nice um yeah exactly uh yeah i'm gonna have to remember that although it's gonna be querying calador all over again <laughs> Well, now I don't know what to do, to be fair. I think maybe I need to hand the reins over to someone else and they can do the podcast. Okay, I've got it. Ben and I will do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll take it from here. Right, elves. Grand job. Boo. Right, so the next guy is uh, Aethys the Poet, or is he? Who the fuck knows at this stage? Uh, Talk about (laughs) self-doubting. Now, you've got this, Dave. You've got this. Right, so anyway... Three years after the completion of the White Tower, or you know was it the, the, four the one in Sa- yeah, the one in Safri. Do you remember that one? The White Tower. Oh yeah, the yeah. brown lean to yeah, yeah. you mean the, the brown <laughs> lean to? How the hang on? Who told him my old name? What the hell is that? <laughs> that's the name he used to dance under. Isn't it? <laughs> the brown lean to. No, that's what the cleaning crew referred to me as. Um, <laughs> So three years after its completion, good old Belcarandus died, one of the few kings to pass away from effectively old age. And um, his reign was one of almost total peace. Uh, what a lucky bugger. For the, for the inner, certainly for the inner kingdoms and for most of the outer kingdoms as well. There were skirmishes and battles and so forth. But in general, the High Elves were not at war in any meaningful way for 1,200 years. Mr. Chris. And and was it thanks to him that they managed to avoid conflict, or was he just kind of there in the right time at the right place? It was a particularly peaceful, more peaceful time than it was before. Malekith had kind of stepped back, not been knocked down a few pegs. Yeah, I think given the, the sheer level of bloodshed, uh, that was uh, brought about by Tethless, that the, the the High Elves really didn't have much of a heart for a fight, but still were able to, you know, get this kind of civilian militia 
reservist force going. And the Dark Elves had lost so many warriors that they really couldn't put up an effective uh, campaign, an effective military campaign against the uh, against Ulthuin itself. So it was, yes, it was a confluence of events led to a protracted peace. So why didn't uh, Ulthuin think, well, you know, we've, we've fucked their numbers so hard now, let's get in there and, you know, finish the job off? I think it was just because they had lost so many uh, warriors uh, that uh, it's one. It's like one of these things, you know, after any great war in our own history, any great as in large rather than fantastic, you know, any kind of large military campaign devastates in general the male population that has been conscripted into that campaign. So then the kind of manual labors fall upon uh, the uh, the other genders within each civilization. But there are so few men come back from these styles of wars when it's particularly bloody that, you know, uh, productivity drops and the heart goes out of the nation for any further conflict unless it's kind of run by a despot. So it's, it's you know, the impacts of the war are not just within the time frame of the war itself. Wars are almost always followed by famine and disease. Mr. Chris. Uh, just harking back to one of the battles you mentioned right at the beginning of the show where there was a battle and not a single elf from either side, dark elf or high elf, survived. Everyone died. Yeah. I was just thinking that as a concept in general. So you're having a war and like, is it down to, is it like, is it the last man standing? Like you have yeah. a thousand on each side and like whoever has the most or the only people standing, even if it's down to one, you've won the war. Do you know what I mean? Exactly like, I right. Yeah. Are, wars, are wars determined like that? So you've got some one lonely private, do you know what I mean, who's won it. Uh, he's got no one to answer to. Yeah. Like, does it not depend on the the, the kind of the, the, you know, if it's, like, let's say if it's a territorial war, like they, you know, sure. one side is attacking the other because they want that land. Well, once they've got control of that land and it's secure, then in theory, as far as they're concerned, the war is done. As long as they've diminished yes. the, the side enough that the other side enough that they don't uh, kind of counterattack. But in this instance, your man was like, let's wipe out the dark elves. Yeah. So in that instance, like, it's going to be way more protracted isn't it because they're like you've got to kill all of them you know and yeah. then go to their home and then kill all of them and you know really do it kind of in totality yeah conversation yeah. for another podcast maybe yeah maybe chunks of dar <laughs> patron bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. <laughs> why can i not pitch <laughs> um so yes yeah, so following the passing of Belcarandis, he was interred within the kind of foundation of the White Tower itself. Uh, and it is said that his spirit, his kindly spirit, is on hand to um, help any uh, uh, lore master or magician uh, with their research, with guidance for where to go and uh, what to read. Uh, and what to consider. Aww. So he's, he's there. He's, a nice he's, phoenix king. He's really the Dumbledore king of uh, of the White Tower, really, yeah. That's nice of him. Yeah. Ravray. So following him was elected Aethys the Poet, who was really a, a decadent douchebag of a phoenix king. 
It does. The, the bad always follows the good, really, in Warhammer, doesn't it? There's very rarely two good ones in a row uh, no. of, a, of any race. Uh, good in quotes. He calls himself a poet. Does he actually just rap? Yeah, I've got some friends that rap and they call themselves poets, but they just rap. As well. <laughs> it's cool to be a poet. <laughs> you know who I'm talking to, guys. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. They don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> They're too um, busy writing poetry. He, <laughs> he was uh, a, a, effectively another uh, elf from the kingdom of Safri, which is where the White Tower sure? is. I don't know if I've mentioned that already. Are you sure? Uh, yeah. Yes, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And he was the first Phoenix King, really, that did not inherit, or did not succeed, I apologize, did not succeed a slain king and also a kingdom that was in war. So he, there was a peaceful transition of power within a land of peace. And rather than uh, make sure that uh, all the defenses were still kept in order, um, he gave himself over almost completely to... Uh, how would you describe? It? He became the hipster phoenix king. Everything was art uh, and kind of nostalgia uh, and that kind of hankering for days past, which I think might be the definition of nostalgia. <laughs> Open mic poetry nights, exactly. Slam right. poetry, shit, rapping. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> uh, during the reign of Athos the poet the the focus really was on kind of the culture of art in all its forms including music statuary kind of landscaping hairdressing millinery which i believe has to do with uh, hats and not making uh, flower mills pretty and as this kind of went on, I mean, the chap ruled for 600 years. And as this went on, it, rumors begin to spread that actually the Dark Elves are all dead, including Malekith. They were wiped out so successfully by Tethlis the Slayer that through the reign of Belcarandus, they became kind of a dying race and it just uh, faded away. This was mirrored within the kind of culture of Ulthuan at the time as a decline in birth rates. This is where the elves themselves, the oh, rhymes, the elves oh. on the shelves became a diminishing uh, race, so that eventually they would be, they would, the lack of breeding would uh, wipe them out. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the number the number of births reduced quite dramatically uh, and it became clear that you know they were panned they, they became cultural pandas uh, they were yeah. not able to kind of replenish their numbers multiply yeah yeah uh, and and ultimately elves in general were diminish a uh, diminishing race is there an explanation to why that happened? Did they just lose their libido? Did they were, were they dying of disease and old age quicker than they could reproduce, or was it just it's a, a rumor at the moment, isn't it? What is? Well, What's this a is, is about the about the dark elves. Is no, the dark elves saying? being dead was the rumor. The high oh, elf uh, ah, birth and rate at the same time was fine. Right, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and during all of this, as this uh, was discussion and observations were going on, 
the Dark Elves managed to get scouts and spies and assassins back into Ulthuin in what I like to call a dribble. Little numbers of them kind of came in, able to sneak into High Elven culture, and ultimately... And this is is during the time of peace. uh, Yes, this is during the reign of Aethys the Poet, yes. So there wouldn't have been like a kind of baby boomer sort of thing, like there usually is after a major war, where it's kind of, you know, bonk for your nation sort of jam. But it's high elves, mate. The you know the normal rules don't apply. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, then. <laughs> Darren, I, I have a question high... based on real world politics <laughs> <laughs> for this fantasy setting, <laughs> Mister Chris. It's not hard for a high elf. Uh, dark elves and high elves look very, very similar. It's not hard for one to be disguised as the other. I'm no, guessing. not at all. It's yeah, very sure. easy. Okay, I mean, cool. uh, and indeed, that was the central premise of how the War of the Beards War of the Beard started. Dark sure. elves dressed uh, as high elves. Yeah. 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 Literally, yeah. just wore the clothes. As far at a glance, they look like high elves. No, no, yeah. no yeah. issues there. Yeah, sure. It's not like they've got like dark eyes and like pasty porcelain skin and like droopy things like that. That is what they look like, though, isn't it? The dark elves have got. That's how they. That's what they became. Yes. Ah, uh, they're okay. But at this time, they were still just normal looking elves. Maybe so, with a bit of blusher, I mean, some eyeliner. And... A really thick foundation, like really yeah. properly <laughs> caked on. Inch, inch thick. Inch yeah. thick. <laughs> nice. With all this dark elf activity, guess what sprung up again? The cults of pleasure began to be oh. re-established within Ulthuin. Uh, listeners will recall this is the sexy excess happy time fun club that Marathi was the leader, the high priestess of, for most of uh, High Elven uh, history. And deep down, every elf wanted to be a part of it, even if they chose yeah. not to. You know what I mean? Who didn't want to be part of the court of the excess? You know what I mean? I'll tell you who didn't, Chris. The lore masters of the White Tower of, uh, where was it? Safri. They sent out... The party poopers of Safri. The party poopers, yeah. The, you know, the ones from the Mile High Phallus Tower. They didn't want anything yeah. to do with excess. <laughs> the Mile High Bungalow Tower. Mile, mile High Bungalow Club. Oh, the Mile High Bungalow Club. Ooh. <laughs> you can only do missionary. You can only do missionary. It's just not enough, it's just not enough space. It's just not enough space for anything else. It's a firm handshake and nothing else. So the lore masters, seeing the way the kind of tides were turning, sent out their agents, the sword masters of Hoeth, Hoeth oh, yeah. uh, being in Safri, uh, yeah. and they they became inquisitorial uh, like characters hunting oh, down, yeah. and you ended up with this shadow war happening within all of the settlements and cities of Ulthuin, where sword masters were hunting down cultists and vice versa. But actually, it would make a great movie. That's um, cool. Yeah, oh, that's really pretty cool. awesome. But uh, yeah, so you had you know a mixture of kind of melee skirmishes, plus enhanced with magic, plus politics, plus rumors, plus plus plus. So it was really a kind of uh, Spanish Inquisition style thing. So very reminiscent of what Malekith was doing, if you recall, when he accused uh, Bel Shamalama Ding Dong 
the mm. second Phoenix King of mm. uh, being a member of this cult. So it was that kind of air of uh, oppression was back within Ulthuin, and only really because of a handful of Dark Elf agents. Ultimately, however, a specific High Elf called Girathon, who was the High Chancellor and advisor to Aethys the Poet, who was the one who was constantly advising him to, uh, you know, de-escalate the military kind of uh, capacity of Ulthuin and focus on, who's he, what's it, on the arts. Uh, and and I'll, I'll give you an example here. Uh, there is in Illyrian a prince called Valador, who was effectively in charge of making sure all of the gates between Nagarathi and Illyrian were well prepared, well armed, and well staffed. Uh, in terms of military capacity. And while on a, a kind of inspection, he uh, comes across, not literally, the a, a force of high elf princes uh, from Lothern, or, or who, who had come from Lothern, and were effectively stripping the military capacity out of the griffin gate. So they were taking uh, weapons, suits of armor, the whole shebang, out of the out of the gate in by the wagon load, and when confronted, they had uh, they said that they were had been instructed by uh, Aethys, the Phoenix King, to collect these arms and armament uh, for use as costumes within a grand play that was going to be put on uh, in Lothern. And he was so scandalized by this that he struck one of the elves, knocked him from his wagon, and had his soldiers return all the goods back into the uh, the uh, fortress. Within the space of a year, the princes that had been denied the equipment, it had turned out they had not been uh, instructed by the Phoenix King at all. They were doing it to curry favour. Uh, but within a year, Valador had been stripped of all his kind of titles his family had lost all their lands, and he, him, and his, you know, family and descendants were effectively homeless princes uh, within Ulthuin itself. And that all comes down to the kind of, you know, backbiting uh, uh, kind of shadow games that are played out within the Phoenix Court uh, and thus wider Ulthuin, you know, exacerbated one suspects by uh, Girathon and his, you know. The, or the wider cults of excess. Ultimately, Girathorn was unmasked as being a dark elf spy, and as he was being captured, literally as he was being captured, he stripped a dagger from, from beneath his robes and stabbed Aethys right in the chest, uh, who was poisoned, and thus the Phoenix King was uh, killed by his closest advisor, and thus passed... Yikes. <gasps> uh, Girathon, yeah. It was he was definitely stabbed. It wasn't just embedded, embedded. or placed. Yeah. It yeah. was placed. Just hilt, hilt it was, first. Yeah. <laughs> it was just laying it was just laying on him. Yeah. It was actually it was actually a picture of a dagger and he just handed it to him. Yeah. It's just, Take this. What? <laughs> you're now you're now stabbed. <laughs> what a way to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if I was gonna go, Ben, I'll let you stab me. I wouldn't want anyone else to stab me. I want my closest Thanks, advisor pal. 
to. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone knows where my heart is, you know where it is. <laughs> yeah. Aww. I know, where, I know <laughs> where your weak spots are. <laughs> His heart. <laughs> the heart. <Yeah. laughs> it's much the same as most other people's weak spots. But, <laughs> but he has one weakness. As I remind my children, almost perhaps too much, uh, everything has a neck and a crotch. Just and then move on. <laughs> is that is that is, is that something that you remind them during karate practice? It, it, it's something I remind them over breakfast. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. Whatever happens today, kids. <laughs> yeah. Just remember, everything has a neck and a crotch. The amount yeah. of calls I've gotten from school, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I want to pick you up from the police station, not the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> In life, you can be two things. You can be a neck or you can be a crotch. Which one are you? Which one are you, boy? <laughs> think, uh, think fast. <laughs> He's just eating, Sam's just eating his toast. He's just like, which one is it? Boom. <laughs> it's a nightmare at Christmas. Hey, Sam, which bit of the turkey do you want? What? <laughs> You're going to have the neck or the crotch? <laughs> so in terms of the kind of lasting legacy Athos wasn't really your best candidate for uh for kind of uh, continuity of government what he really was good at and, and we, we called him the poet and we talked about uh, sculpture and music and what have you and plays what it was really remembered for was the beautification of the entire continent of Ulthuin, which was already pretty stunning. It's already a beautiful place. But he had uh, teams of magically assisted sculptors go out and like reframe the uh, like mountain ranges uh, and uh, hills and what have you and move forests. Really? And yeah, uh, above the Griffin Gate he had sculpted the mountain that kind of looms over it. He sculpted that into a 500 foot tall griffin uh, above, above that. It's a bit on the Fucking nose, hell. really. But, yeah. um, <laughs> it's a bit garish. <laughs> he made the, he um, landscaped the landscape. He, he, he landscaped he, the landscape. He, he yeah. made the mountains look more epic and made the yes. forest look more lush and verdant and like photo card worthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and they all and, look a bit griffiny. Maybe maybe yeah. gone a little bit too griffiny on that mountain. A bit too griffiny. Wow. <laughs> but it was during his reign as well that uh, Lothurn really kind of blossomed into this kind of massive city, with the various gates and the huge statues and the uh, ornate palaces. So it really was the, um, the the beautification of Ulthuin is his lasting kind of gift to the high elf race. So, yeah, everything's a little bit more epic on Ulthuin because of him. Everything's kind of turned up to 11 in terms of landscape. Did it age well? Did it age well? Was it like an 80s makeover? At the time, cutting edge. Didn't take long for it just to really look pretty shit. Oh, do you mean you mean like glass tabletops? That kind of idea, yeah. they did <laughs> Chrome really and glass quickly. everywhere. Oh, no, no, no. gross. <laughs> I mean, like, he, he tie-dyed an entire forest. What was he thinking? Yeah. <laughs> Paisley. I want it Paisley. Paisley. <laughs> Fetch me my fashion lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so I thought that's where we'd really leave it for today in terms of the, the kind of state of Ulthuan. We've gone from a, a kingdom moving towards total war, then into a kind of second golden age, and now in a very kind of decadent frame of purpose for the high elf people. And next time we'll cover through the the remaining uh, Phoenix Kings. Mr. Chris. Um, at which point then do we just end it? Is it in the calendar of the old world and what's happening elsewhere, relatively speaking? It's a good question, Graham. It's a good question. And that is a great question. Um, so well, who, who was the last one we did? It was Tethless. No, Aethys. But we ended so, it with the poet, didn't we? So We ended it with the poet. Okay, so Tethless became Phoenix King, the bloodthirsty, revengeful elf. What was going yes. on in the Empire? Was the Empire a thing at this point? Uh, no, the Empire only really became a thing in the kind of back third of Belcorandus, the scholar, uh, you gotcha. know, from Safri. I mean, he ruled until 500 uh, AS, uh, as okay. we would uh, as we would measure it on the podcast, and so uh -huh. with Athis, that takes us up to eleven hundred, eleven hundred and thirty uh, in the imperial AS. calendar. So there's not okay. all that much um, happening on the old world at this. Well, actually, there's a fuck ton of stuff, but it's unrelated yeah, say, to, you're, you, you, to you're, uh, you're, <laughs> you're well into the empire, to, the realm of the empire. I mean, the the, the the most like they, if we can remember from the Skaven episodes, really, it's the Black Plague has just finished uh, within the Empire. So the Empire has lost what nine out of every ten citizens. That's really mm. what's happening on the Old World at the time. Uh, so the the Black Plague was eleven uh, eleven, uh, and, and thus were the. So yeah, it sounded like a crap load had happened uh, on the. I oh, know this is this, we're, we're focusing on the hives at this point. Um, yeah, but you didn't mention any kind of trade routes or allegiances or otherwise any 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 engagement with the old world and the empire at this point. I'm guessing there was. We just in the context of this episode, you haven't mentioned that, it, or were the elves very uh, much yeah, in their no. own bubble for 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 a thousand uh, years and just be like, yeah, got some homies doing the thing. I think it was very much the latter. Uh, you would get the occasional adventurer uh, or shipload of adventurers uh, exploring the world and kind of focusing on trade routes and what have you. That would still happen, but didn't really blossom in terms of exploration until, in fact, the next Phoenix King, Morvale. And he was the one who really kind of turned small colonies into fortresses or cities uh, around uh, the Warhammer world uh, to be able to secure trade routes and kind of dominance of the sea for the High Elves. So it's really from the next Phoenix King where they come out of this insular mindset that they've lasted in for over 2,000 years uh, to become this kind of naval powerhouse. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice. All right. Nice. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. The elves, the high elves. Ben, what do you think of the high elves now? You were a fanboy at the beginning. Oh, what do you think of them at the moment? Fanboy. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think it's given me a bit of a better perspective on other 
on non-elf fans perspective if that makes sense like i can see mine and darren's like this is yeah it's not it doesn't it doesn't paint them in a particularly great light they're obviously you know there's a lot of flaws the the idea of elves as kind of portrayed i think certainly in the original lord of the rings films as these kind of yeah exactly like the kind of the the ideal of of a of a human being i know they're not but like you know morally steadfast and you know always make the right decision and you know very very you know quick and nimble and whatnot as well sort of maybe the nimble thing doesn't really matter in this instance but yeah they're obviously flawed um they're not kind of Mm. they're not certainly not perfect as much beings. as as much as humans i'd say like yeah they've had a, yeah, yeah, they've yeah, had yeah. their fair share of douchebag leaders yeah revengeful yeah. affluent well, i'm hoping that you know what 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 i'm what i'm really looking forward to is instances in the their history later on down the line where they kind of pull their heads out of their arses and kind of come to the come to the aid of the humans for instance or the dwarfs <laughs> like again i'm guessing against chaos they're Darren's laughing, so maybe that maybe those instances don't happen. Like, <laughs> nah, am I, they're dicks. <laughs> yeah, they're just dicks nonstop. They start as dicks. Um, they continue to be dicks. <laughs> are there any instances where they help other races, like against chaos and that and whatnot? Surely, yeah, oh, y- yeah, yes, absolutely. But you, okay. you're looking. We, I mean, we've got three more Phoenix Kings to go, and it's really the last two that kind of engage with. Uh, mankind in any meaningful way, especially uh, Funubar, the, the the final one, the the current Phoenix King, right? Um, okay. And that's really when you get into like the Great War against Chaos, and then the establishment of the Colleges of Magic. You know, the Colleges yeah, of Magic only exist because of uh, high elf intervention. Yeah, let's get there. Uh, that sounds great. Let's get to that point. Let's not let's not talk about how <laughs> dicky they are. <laughs> Denial. I, I, wa- I want to yeah. say thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yada yada. Yeah. Phoenix King, yada yada yada. Awesomeness. <laughs> That's all Ben wants to hear about. <laughs> what do you think of the, the elves, Dar? What's your. Do you just not like them? <laughs> you don't like I don't think you ever said that. I don't think you ever said that. I just plain don't like tall people, Ben. <laughs> oh no, they're not even tall, are they? They're not no. smaller than human beings. I really like wood elves. Those are my favorite mm. elves. But every now and then I think, oh God, wouldn't uh, an entire army of like lion hunters be amazing? Or yeah. the or the sword masters or the Phoenix Guard or stuff. Um yeah, the 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 Sea Guard, the Lothern Sea Guard, uh, and we'll get into this in the kind of uh, the last episode of uh, High Elves, they are like a a naval force and when they're on the tabletop the front rank is always spearmen and the back rank is always archers and so they they, i mean they have a capacity each warrior can do both but i thought they have you know that's a great base those are great core units and then they've got sky chariots this is chariots pulled by eagles I, I, I wish I was joking. And, and so, does the uh, chariot I, itself like droop? So you, yeah, exactly. The, the get piece will are just like holding on to the chariot. Yeah, like, it's just this is this it's been just, a terrible it's at, 90, idea. it's at ninety degrees underneath the exactly. eagle. It's, it's just smacking like stuff. Car- 
It's like a car, a shit cargo eagle. <laughs> Bring in the cargo eagles. Anyway, yeah, but uh, very occasionally, I think wouldn't be great. It'd be great to have a little kind of force like that. Yeah, right. but uh, but I prefer wood elves. Yeah, yeah. I prefer wood elves <laughs> okay. by far. Nice man, Kral. Yes, did mate. You, have you already? Did you? Are you? Do I have an opinion? Know, yeah, are you converted? Are you an elves fan? No. Nah. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think I was gonna like them, and they're a bit too. They're just a bit of a, the the cliche. They're the kind of cliche. They're the the the, the, yeah. the top kind of. Do you know what I mean? I think I don't know. How do you rank the races in terms of kind of popularity? The humans and elves are kind of up there, aren't they? They're kind of there. Orcs are the kind yeah. of common bad, and then I'd say dwarves that kind of fall under those guys they're second tier Ooh, I, I know a they're lot often of the kind of Patreon supporters who are going to be long raging at you saying oh no, no 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 I, I fucking uh, love the doors I'm, I'm not saying like I'm ranking them in kind of the, the how good they are I'm just kind of in popularity and uh, yeah okay do you know what I mean I, do I, you think, that you think the greenskins are more popular than the dwarves in terms of kind of like the, the generic bad thuggish brutish yeah, you know what I mean? yeah orcs yeah. versus humans orcs versus elves it's your it's your, yeah. it's your classic derby at the top there isn't it i suppose there's probably yeah. is there more variation in green skin armies than there is in dwarf armies yeah um, yeah goblins snotlings and all the rest and squigs yeah and shit, i suppose it? as well as orcs you get like for the dwarves you get kind of a standard dwarven hold army uh, but then you can split that into the kind of an engineer heavy army with lots of mm. war machines or a traditionalist runesmith army with lots of kind of magical abilities and crossbows versus handguns but there is in the sixth edition you could have a slayer army you could have an entire army cool. of dwarven slayers which is just mental uh, yeah and with them um, with greenskins, you can have an orc army, a savage orc army, a black orc army, uh, yeah. regular <laughs> goblins, a night goblin army, a forest goblin army. Yeah, yeah. it is just, yeah. You can't have a snotling army, can you? I don't know it's that cute. you would. There so are no cute. snotling heroes, and that's really the thing. You need a hero uh, or a lord okay. character to lead the army. And so you could have a snotling army under the leadership of a goblin shaman. That would, that would be hilarious. Be that would be so. That, I want to see that. That's you'd be brilliant. tabled after one round, but it would be hilarious. <laughs> They'd be very squishy, would they? There's, there's no yeah, substance yeah, yeah. to them. Your two thousand yeah, okay. point army would be like two thousand miniatures. <laughs> yeah, just, well, yeah, we're gonna need a bigger. Them. We're gonna need is there, a bigger is there any table. Advantage guys? to swarming them is that is that a tactic yeah, oh, yeah. you can use on the table? Yes, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They could zap Brannigan them. Just wave zap after Bran wave of my own snotling. Send in another hundred. And another <laughs> yeah, hundred. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't survive, tell my wife hello. Yeah. <laughs> you do have uh, a charming, you will recall, we do have the charmingly named Snotling Pump Wagon. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Giggity. I mean, you'd, you'd put, you'd put the... Um, you put the shaman on the pump wagon, wouldn't you? Just to yeah. give him a platform to to do his shamany bits from. Right, we've got to wrap up. Anything else? Let's do it. 
All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. Again, if you're keen to support this podcast, just click on the support us link in the description and give us all your money. We'll be back again soon (laughs) displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, cheerio. See you later, people. (laughs) I knew it was Safri the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) 